podcast from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bains St. Samson in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. moments let the spirit of the lord just just come close to you just let the lord just come and just touch your heart touch your life it's his presence really that we we need that we yearn for hallelujah just love to declare all of their ears just love that song proclaims who he is what he does it's wonderful reality. I, I don't know what's going on in your life and your heart this morning, but all I know is that Jesus is so amazing and so awesome. It's physical healing. He can heal your body. There's brokenness in your heart. He comes. He specializes in healing the brokenhearted. That's one of his specialities. Maybe you're just here this morning. You just feel so dry and you just need a... Just the Spirit of God, just to fill you and you, fill you afresh. Just let him come and just pour into you his fullness. Touch you at the point of your need. Jesus is so real. All you've got to do is reach out. All you've got to do is hunger and desire. And Jesus comes. And I love to see Jesus coming. He says, where two or three gather, I'm there in the midst. Isn't that amazing? He's right in our midst. That means if our expectancy lies in Jesus, there's nothing he can't do in your life. It's really where your expectancy lies. So, Lord, this one I'm expecting. I'm expecting a touch. I'm expecting you to, to minister to the point of my need and to touch me and change my life. I'll never be the same again. All because Jesus comes in the midst of his church. And he loves to do the impossible. He loves to touch and move on people's lives. We've seen it so many times over the years that Jesus comes. And when he comes into his church, amazing, incredible things happen. you just got to desire it, hunger, and open your heart. Say, Lord, come. Come and touch my life this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that you, you gather in the midst of your people. And, and we say, come among us, Lord Jesus. Come and touch us right now at the very point of our need. God, those that need a physical touch, I pray, would you touch them? Those who come, Lord, their hearts are broken. And I pray, come and heal the brokenhearted this morning. Those that, Lord, who feel pressured and weighed down by the things of life, I pray, just come and lift, Lord. Lift them, I pray. Become so real to their lives that, Lord, they would know that faith would arise in their hearts. They'd know that, Lord, you are the God of the impossible. Come and do all that you need to do in every heart and every life from this place this morning, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
Amen and amen. Okay, great to be back here this morning again. <laughs> Good to see a few faces. Liz, go see again, Liz. It's good to see her and so many other faces. Just off food with some bit of family news, actually. Uh, those of you, some of you may not know our family, but just to say, uh, Callie's just getting married in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, she's getting married to, to Steph. Uh, he's from Wales, but we forgive him for that. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, the, uh, he... He came to the Lord about two years ago, I think, in, in the church of Confili. There was a guy there. He, was, he, was, he always brought people to the church. Every week he'd bring people, and Steph was one of the people that he brought, and he came to the Lord, which was fantastic. And Caris has been doing the youth the last couple of years in Confili. Uh, saw amazing things with the youth. I think one meeting, I think they made 14 decisions in one meeting. So that was, uh, so they saw amazing things. That was fantastic. And so she did the youth there. Uh, Amy, okay, do you remember Amy? Uh, she's working in London now. Uh, again, I haven't got time to go into it, but God did an amazing miracle. And she always wanted to work for Compassion, and God opened an amazing door. She works for HR and Compassion. And, and in London, she loves London. She loves the, the, the buzz of London, so she's in London, goes to KT, so she loves that as well, so that's great. Uh, and Lydia, remember little Lydia? Yeah, she's at uh, Winchester University now. And, with Emily, the deadly duo there, aren't they? Creating, creating chaos over there, but she's having a great time doing drama degree, so that's... She doesn't have to work very hard at that degree, but uh, she's doing great at that one. And Joey, I remember Joey, dear Joey, yes. He's still alive, you'll be happy to know, and uh, he's still single, incidentally, so, uh, so get praying for Joey, okay? He badly needs a, a wife, I think. So he's doing great. But they're over here on Saturday, so I don't know Joey and Amy are coming on Saturday. So uh, you go to see them on Saturday and they're here for the weekend and here for the whole week towards the wedding. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 4. Of course, Angie, yes, I can forget Angie. Uh, she's my wife, if you remember last time. <laughs> Still my wife since then. And <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, Nehemiah chapter 4. I want to talk about burning stones. I just felt the Holy Spirit just put a word in my heart. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord said, he spoke about a burning stone. It just felt so strong, a real sense the Spirit was saying. Just to speak to burning stones. Explain what I mean as we go there. Nehemiah chapter 4. Now it happened when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones, this is a phrase we need to get a hold of, stones that are burnt. Stones that are burnt. Just thought that was a real powerful phrase, the Holy Spirit. Stones that are burnt. I think over the years, if I'm honest in ministry, I have met so many burnt stones. So many. So many believers, so many Christians, so many people who through the things of life have been very badly burnt. And that's what I want to minister to you this morning on. Before I really get into it, I need to get, get a hold of this, because there's this picture, this man, Sambalat. I like that name because I can pronounce it. Uh, but this name, Sambalat, and 
And one thing he's doing, he's mocking the Jews, if you like. He's mocking their efforts to rebuild the wall. And he's saying to them, there's no way you're ever going to rebuild burnt stones. And he began to laugh at them and mock them. And I just think it's this picture almost, I think, of demonic powers. Who are almost saying it's impossible to restore lives that have been so badly burnt. He's mocking them and saying, you'll never rebuild those lives that have been so burnt and so broken. I think it's an encouragement because I think often the devil attacks us. Often in this sense when we're praying, it's almost this mocking spirit that tries to come against us. You're praying for someone. Maybe you're praying for someone who seems so far away from God. Somebody who, who you look at their lives and they once knew God, but they've moved away from God. And something in your heart, the devil mocks you and says, they're so far away, there's no way they're ever going to come back. Could be someone that some someone that you're really praying for who's a, who who doesn't know Christ, and they just seem to have no interest and no desire for God, and the devil's mocking you and saying, those loved ones, those children, those members of your family are never ever going to be saved. And I just felt this morning God wants to encourage you, and He wants to say that I can revive burnt stones. I specialize in reviving and stirring and moving and causing stones to be revived again. And often God puts this incredible vivid picture in our minds so we can see it. And it's just see it in our hearts, see it in our minds, what it really means. Hear, hear what a burnt stone is. When, when the enemies attacked Jerusalem, they literally burnt the whole city. And what they used to do is they would burn the stone. And the reason why they burned the stone is this. Because when Jerusalem was built, the stones were so exactly cut and brought to the, to the temple, brought to the walls when they were built, they were so exactly cut, they didn't need any cement, they were just exactly fit in because they were exactly cornered, exactly built together. So what they would do when an enemy attacked they would burn the stone. Because when they put intense heat on the stone, the stone wouldn't be able to fit into place. It'd just crumble. The stone would just totally crumble. And so really, the stone could not ever be fitted back into the position it was in. How many can see the picture? And so what the enemy does, he comes against everything that is good and right. And he tries to, if you like, reduce to rubble what God wants to build in our hearts and our lives. To reduce, to rubble the destiny. To remove us, if I put it this way, from our position. Some people can still come to church, still, if you like, go through the outward exteriors of church and form, but they've lost their position. They're not functioning. They're not in the position that God place them and God called them to be because they're so burnt. They've crumbled. And because they've crumbled and they've burned, the destiny that God had for their lives has almost been, they've been taken out of the wall, if you like. And that's why God wants to restore burnt stones. So he can put you back in your position and put you back in the destiny that he called you to be. Can you say amen? Because the moment you're burned, the moment you become this burnt stone, it's very hard for you to fulfill your calling and your destiny 
because you're so burnt in life and you're so crumbling on the inside, you can't be all that God called you to be. And so God says, I'm the God of restoration and I come to restore burnt stones. Isn't that wonderful? I just love it. Look what the Bible describes the church as. 1 Peter 1. As I said before, God draws incredible pictures for us to see. To see what, what we are and what we're about. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 4, this is, if you like, God's description of the church, of who we are. I love this term. We're called not burnt stones. Do you know what? God doesn't see you as a burnt stone. You know what he sees you as? The Bible says he sees you as a living stone. And everything that's pretty cool. 2 Peter 4, verse 4 to 5. Coming to him, a living stone. Rejected by men, chosen by God and precious. You also, what are you? You are living stones. And you're being built as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And here's God's picture. He says, you are a living stone. When you get born again, you become alive and vibrant. And the Holy Spirit begins to work within us. It begins to build us. It begins to shape our lives. It begins to fit us to be a great house for God. And the Bible calls that discipleship. Forming our attitudes, our lifestyles, so that we can become used of God. God not only individually, but he's building a body. So everybody fits into their place. Everybody has a ministry. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a place. The enemy comes to burn the stones so the wall isn't as God desires it to be because people can't be put in position because they become burnt stones. I think one of the areas where burnt stones affects people is their ability to function in relationship. It's interesting that the major work of the devil really is, 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 is to cause people to be so dysfunctional, so broken, so hurt, they find it very hard to connect to anybody else in relationship. So they distance themselves. They pull back because they're so hurt and broken, they can't function as a living stone. I don't want to get a hold of that because that's what the enemy does because he knows that when people fit in place together, relate together, they become connected together and when they become connected together, they become this amazing war that fulfills amazing purpose for God. And so the devil comes to, to burn the stones, to make people disunited, to cause barriers. People become so full of offense and so full of hurt. They begin to push, they begin to keep people at arm's length and pull away. And so they become dysfunctional. Have you found that part of relationship is, is the smoothing of rough, rough edges? Have you found that? Have you found that? Isn't marriage a great way to shape the rough edges in life? You discover you had rough edges you never even knew were there. Amen. And that's what relationships do. Together, we, we begin to smooth each other out. Why? So we can fit into this wall and fulfill purpose for God. Can you say amen? And let me just say some things that cause people to become burnt stones. Here's the first way people become burnt stones. I think because people become burnt stones through the fiery trials of life. Look what it says in 1 Peter. 
It says in, in verse 6. How many love this verse? In this now you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. Why do we go through the fiery trials of life? Why do they happen to us? That's what it says. So that the genuineness of your faith, much more precious than gold, that perishes, it is tested by fire, that you may be fade to the praise and honor and the glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's this picture. That we go through the difficulties and the fires of life so that we begin to grow in faith. The problem with the children of Israel was that they didn't respond to the tests and the fiery trials and they didn't enter the promised land. Sometimes when we get burnt, when we get hurt, the tendency is to withdraw. We withdraw from relationships. We withdraw from destiny. We withdraw from our position and the commitment that God has called us to. We get burnt and we begin to crumble. And because of that, we don't keep the commitments and and, and the plan and the purpose that God has got for our, our lives. You know, almost when you're burnt, it's almost you don't feel you can handle anything. Everything becomes too much pressure and too much weight on you because you're so burned, you're so crumbling on the inside. You you can't cope with with the pressures of life. It's a fiery trial. And God says, I want to use that trial. Instead of you becoming a burnt stone, I want you to become a greater living stone. Amen. Here's the second way. Here's the second reason. I think through spiritual pressure and spiritual conflict. I think sometimes we lose sight of this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Every one of us this morning is involved in a spiritual conflict. And sometimes the enemy will put intense spiritual pressure. He'll try and come against you with grief and fear, confusion, uncertainty, discouragement. Often the enemy will seek to cause us to be burning stones by coming against us with incredible spiritual pressure. I think of Elijah. How many remember Elijah? What an incredible man of God. He caught fire down from heaven. Did incredible miracles and signs and wonders. And then at one moment, Jezebel raised, raised against him. Think about this. He confronted 600 worshippers of Baal. And one woman threatens him, and he runs. He runs. What was that? It wasn't just natural. There was a spirit behind that attacking him. We often term it as a Jezebel spirit. And often, various ways and various means, the enemy comes against us with spiritual pressure. That spiritual pressure, that spiritual conflict was so strong on Elijah, the Bible says he went into a cave, he got so overcome by depression, such a heaviness, such a depression over him, that he says, you know what, I just want to die. I just, I'm so depressed. I'm so, I feel such intense spiritual pressure on me. And he came out of the wall. He moved out the purpose and plan of God. And he became a burned stone because of spiritual conflict. Here's a third reason I think people can go become burned stones. Painful experiences. I think in the midst of relationships, People can get burned. People can get betrayed. 
Maybe you share a confidence and a confidence broken. Someone offends you and you get so burned and so hurt by the offense. And I think there's so many situations in life that can bring grief and, and people, we can get betrayed, we can be judged incorrectly. And we get so full of hopelessness and bitterness and offense. And we get dislodged from our purpose because we get so consumed with the hurt of it, so consumed with it, so affected by it. And we end up beginning to withdraw from our walk with God, from our connection with people. I think so many churches, though, they're just full of people who've been hurt. And dare I say that sometimes probably church is the place where more people get hurt than anywhere else I know. And if only that's true. People get hurt by friendly fire, if I can put it that way. And our churches are full of people who have been hurt and offended and, and broken. And, and they're just so full of hurt and bitterness. And, and God says, I want to take those burning stones. Those who've been under such intense pressure, have been hurt, so badly affected. I want to cause those burning stones to be effective again. Can you say amen? Here's a third thing. Broken promises and dreams. When our dreams are shattered, when we're believing God for something and it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would turn out. I found this particularly in the area of healing. Where you prayed for someone, you believed that God would heal them and something happened and they died and so you pulled back. Just a few weeks ago, a lady said to me, she says, you know what, I've been, you know when you prayed for me a few weeks ago? I says, yeah. She says, oh, by the way, I got healed of the cancer. And it's almost, it was so almost by the way, I thought to myself, that's the way it should be in a sense. That we shouldn't be surprised when people are healed. We should be surprised when they're not healed. And God in this day is wanting to restore again supernatural power back to his church. I don't think we're really going to impact the world without the supernatural power of God. That's how the early church evangelized. They never had a a clever program or a clever method. They had the power of God. Signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. And I think sometimes maybe we've been so burnt in that area, we pull right back from anything supernatural. And, we get, and we're afraid to, to step out and believe God again, to do miracles and, and heal and restore again, because we've been so discouraged. And God says, I want to raise the church up again to be a supernatural people, to move again with signs and wonders, because that's what ultimately is going to impact this island for Jesus. Really, it's not going to be another sermon. It's not going to really be another worship song. What it is going to be is God's supernatural power. And I believe with all my heart, God's going to restore it back again. Any church in the world that has seen incredible growth, it's all down to signs and wonders. You go to places like Brazil, Africa, it's because they are seeing the supernatural power of God being unleashed. Mozambique. You know how they grow churches there? By raising the dead. They go into a village and say, are there any dead there? They go, they raise the dead, then they preach the gospel. They have grown their churches now where I think a woman called Idy Baker. She started off with a church of two. She has now a church of 2,000. 
and it's grown simply by the supernatural power of God. And when we become burnt stones, what we do, we withdraw from it. We lose sight that God ultimately is a supernatural God. He's a God that moves by miracle working power. And God says, I want to restore it. Well, you've crumbled in that area. I want to restore that again. Amen. Maybe you've had broken dreams, a dream that you once had, and you've laid your dream on the shelf. Maybe a prophetic word that God spoke over your life. I was just thinking, just a minister came around just this week, and he prophesied over me, and he spoke a verse that actually, that I forgot all about a year ago, this is Emily, gave Lydia a text. Lydia texted me with that verse, and that was the very verse this guy spoke over me in the week, and I forgot all about that verse. And it just renewed it again. It revived it in my heart. Maybe you had a prophetic word, a dream that God put in your heart, and because of the difficulties and the circumstances and the challenges of life, you pull back on your dream. You pull back on that prophetic word. You pull back on that promise God gave to you. God's saying, I'm going to revive the dreams again. I'm going to revive the prophetic words. I'm going to cause those dreams again to be stirred up in your heart. Those prophetic words that become dormant in your life. I want to store them up again. You say amen. There's the next thing. Listen to this. Sometimes God will allow us to go through fire. You know that? Job came out with twice as much as he had. And he came into an expanded position. Joseph went through false accusation, betrayal, imprisonment, a sense of delay. And he came out not as a burnt stone, but he came out as a living stone. Look at this psalm. I love this psalm. Psalm 105. This is what it says of Joseph. Oh, what he went through. He could have come out so burnt. Listen to what it says of Joseph in Psalm 105, verse 19. And he speaks about all that Joseph went through. Slavery, being bound, put in prison. 17 years in prison. I'm not talking about a few weeks. 17 years he was put in prison because someone lied and put false accusation against him. But listen to what it says of him in verse 17. So in verse 19. Until the time that his word came to pass... The word of the Lord tested him. In other words, he waited until the word was released. That promise was released into his life. No matter what his ex- external circumstances was, no matter what he was allowed to go through, it never scorched him and it never burnt him. He never held offense. He never got bitter. He never held things against people, against things. He says, nothing's going to hold me back from the promise that God has spoken and prophetically declared over my life. I love what he said. He got to this point. He said, you know what? He said to his brothers, what you desired for evil, God turned for good. Can I encourage you a little bit of a aside? But get a revelation of the goodness of God. I think that's the greatest understanding you need to have of God in this days in which we live. doesn't mean that everything good happens to us. But when you believe in the goodness of God, you believe no matter how bad it is, God can always turn it for good. Because God is good. And he's good all the time. Is that right? 
I just think we need that revelation, that real deep grasp in our heart. God, you're good. And I'm never going to lose sight, no matter how hard things are, how difficult things are in my life, I'm never going to lose sight that you're good. All the time. I always believe it, okay? All the time. God's good all the time. Okay, Nehemiah 1, verse 3. God's good, and he's good all the time. Amen, you got it. You have to wake up every morning and say that. God, you're good all the time. time. They feel better. I think you feel so much better when you do that. (laughs) Rather on uh, Monday today. God, you're good. We're going to be great. By the end of the year, we'll be good. Okay. Nehemiah. I want you to look at this chapter 1, verse 3. It says this. And they said to him, The survivors who are left from the captives in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. Its gates are burn with fire. So it was when I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah actually is a picture of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the word Nehemiah means comfort. And it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sees the burnt stones. He sees the broken walls. And his heart longs for restoration. God is the God of restoration. And he comes to restore what's been broken, what's been burned, what's been pulled down. And God says, I see the burnt stones, but I can build that wall back again. I can give significance. I can give purpose. I can cause what has been burned, what has been displaced, what has been removed from its function, what has been set aside, what looks like just a pile of rubble. God says, I'm going to restore and I will reposition you to the purpose and plan I have for your life. What am I saying? God never abandons burnt stones. I love it. Never abandons burnt stones. Verse 17 of chapter 2. Then I said to him, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and is burnt with fire. I love this. Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer be approached. So the Holy Spirit comes and says, come on, let's build up together again. Let me cause you to be successful again. And I think the Holy Spirit comes to inspire hope. He comes to build us up. And he says, join with me. Let me excite the heart again. Let me stir up those dreams again. Let those prophetic words begin to build in your heart again. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. Where does that sense? He comes to stir up again and encourage and build. And in verse 17 it says, so in verse 18, he says, And I told them, The hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also the king's word, which he has spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. Can you see what happened? As the Holy Spirit begins to stir and move on them, 
They says, we are no longer going to be burnt stones. Let's rise up and build again. Let's be the people God called us to be. Let's get back into our purpose and our destiny and our function. Rise up and build again. I love it. Notice the two things. The hand of the Lord and the king spoke. What are the things that rebuild our lives ultimately? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the hand of God coming upon us. And it's also it's the word of God. I think those two are going to very, very powerfully fit together. The word and the spirit. There's a danger. We tend to go one way or the other. Either just so into the word that we don't, we leave aside encounters with God and encounters with his presence. Or those are just so full of experience, we pull away from the word. And we just need them both to live. And I think, I think one of the things that God's doing prophetically through, through the nations, he's bringing the word and the spirit powerfully together. Because when the word and the spirit connect together, there's this incredible explosion. You know what I mean? The word and the spirit coming so connected together that our encounters with God and the word of God burning in our hearts, when they come together, there's a rebuilding program begins to happen. Can you say amen? Let me just give you something quickly. How does the spirit of God really begin to rebuild as this word and spirit comes together? How does it do it? Here's the first thing. You've got to want to be restored. That's an obvious question, but so many sometimes would rather stay as a burnt stone. But you've got to want to be restored. One of the books that's been very precious to us over the last year or so is the book of Ruth. And it says about, remember Naomi there in the book of Ruth? It says in the, in the time of famine, in the time of lack, she got so badly burnt that she walked away from God. And she left and went, we're told, to, to Moab. And in Moab, she lost everything. Everything was totally removed from her life. People died. Everything fell apart in her life. But look what it says in Ruth 1.6. What a powerful verse this is. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, daughters-in-law, in fact, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord, notice, the Lord had visited the people. He was giving them bread. He was, she says, God's moving again. I've got to reposition myself to get under the flow of God. I've got to reposition myself where God is moving. I've got to get back under the flow of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing God can do something in me. I'm believing God to restore. I'm believing God to put me back in the place he called me to be. I've heard where God's moving, and that's where I want to get under, where the power of God is, where God's moving. I'm going to reposition myself to all that I need to do, get under the word, spend time in God's presence. I'm going to develop a life of praise and worship, do all that I need to do to reposition myself so God can restore me and move again. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. Take responsibility. Here's a big one. When David was confronted with his sin, he never blamed anybody else. He says, I have sinned. I take responsibility. And sometimes when we become burnt stones, we've got to take responsibility for how we allowed ourselves to get burnt. We've got to say, Lord, forgive me if I've allowed unforgiveness in my heart. If I've allowed bitterness in, if I've got negative, 
And Lord, I bring it to you. I recognize I've allowed it to get into my heart, but I'm bringing it to you. Would you cleanse me? Would you remove it and put me back in my place? Amen. Here's the last one. I like this one. Receive the healing and the restoring process of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people, I feel there's people here this morning who think that God could never use them again. People who feel that they could never trust again. And I love this fact that God walks to the rubble of stones and says, there's a stone I can restore. But we've got to welcome the restoring process of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just happen. We've got to say, Lord, I open my heart and I allow you to begin the rebuilding process again in my life. I think of Peter. He was so self-confident, so self-assured. When Jesus said to him, you're going to betray me, he said, Lord, I'll never do that. I am so confident, I am so self-assured, I'll never deny you. And the Bible says, he denied the Lord three times and he wept bitterly. He became a burnt stone right there, full of failure, full of regret, crumbling on the inside, never thought that God could ever use him again. For everything was finished, everything was over. And then Jesus comes to him. Remember that? Right there when he's fishing. Tried to go back to his old life, incidentally. And Jesus comes and says, Peter, do you love me? And he says it to him three times. And almost as what God's doing, and Peter's wrestling with it. But here's what he had to do. He had to allow God to love him again. (laughs) He had to open his heart and receive the restoring presence of God. And I think, think sometimes when we've been burnt, when we've been hurt, when we have been damaged, I think sometimes we find it so hard to let God love us again. And God says, I want you to open my heart and encounter my love afresh and anew. Because the greatest place of healing restoration is receiving the affections of the Father's love being poured into your heart. Romans 5, verse 5. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I found that such a, just a healing process in my own life. We say, Lord, I just open my heart. Would you pour into my heart and life your fatherly affection, your fatherly love, just pour it in. See, what happens is, when we've been burnt or hurt in life, we tend to build up a lot of barriers in our lives. A lot of walls are built up within us. And those walls, we build those walls to protect us from being further, furtherly hurt. And so we build the walls. Well, we think of walls of protection. But what they become are walls that hinder God from flowing in your life. And God says you've got to open up your heart. You've got to let those walls come down. 
And that picture of the, of the love of God being poured in, it's actually in the Greek, it's actually speaking of wave after wave after wave of God's love being poured into your heart. Just being poured in wave after wave after wave. And I've known that in my own life. Just wave of Father's affection being poured in and poured in and poured in. So it flushes out all the hurt, all the wounds, all the disappointments, all the brokenness is poured out as, as it's kind of flushed out of your life as the love of God is poured in. You know what you need to do? You just need to let the barriers down and let God pour in his love. One last scripture as I close. A bruised reed, he will not what break. Isn't that great? That's what God says. A bruised reed I won't break. Maybe you feel like a burnt stone. You've lost your hope. You feel passion being drawn out of you. People are burned by all kinds of things. People can be burned by religion. So many people have been burned by religion. I among them. I know what it is to be burned by people's religious ideas and mindsets. And many have felt the burning of religion. The burning of failure. And I'm not talking about necessarily sinful failure, but here's the point. If you want to succeed in life, you've got to learn how to fail in life. I think a lot of people don't know how to fail. And because they don't know how to fail, they don't know how to succeed. Every one of us, we're going to continually fail. But when you learn for your failure, you can go up higher to greater restoration. Amen. So you get burnt by failure. You get burnt by trouble, circumstances of life. But here's the one to get hold of. It's not over until God says it's over. And God says, I love to take burnt stones and I love just to restore them and put them back in their place so they become full of purpose and destiny, fulfilling all that God called them to fulfill. I'll just bow your head for a few moments before the Lord right now. I'm just wondering this morning if there are in this place burnt stones and you feel on the inside you are just crumbling. Passion's gone. Fire's gone. A sense of hopelessness has just got your heart and you can't see maybe any way back. Maybe you even feel this morning that God's given up on you. But I love to say this morning, God never gives up on burnt stones. Nobody is burnt or crumble enough for God not to get a hold of them. And uh, begin to work again, afresh and anew, and to put them back into destiny, put them back into place. You just got to believe God. You are a God of restoration. There's nothing you can't restore back. Where I failed, where dreams have been crushed and, and broken, I'm just asking you again to come. Renew again. Restore again the years of the locusts. Renew again. Restore again. Would you not revive your people again? And there's something about that heart cry that brings God to come and touch your heart and touch your life. I'm going to spend a few moments just with him.
Bring all your hurts, your pains, your broken dreams, the sorrows, the griefs, the offenses. I just want you to bring it all to the Lord right now. Say, Lord, this one, I'm just bringing it all to you. I'm bringing all that stuff, all the stuff that has caused me to crumble on the inside. And I'm asking you to come by your spirit and, and be as a Nehemiah to me. And God says, come, let's rebuild. Let's, let's build again. Let's put you back into that wall. Let's rebuild you. Let's get you going again. Into your purpose, into your destiny. Oh, hallelujah. Just open and say, Lord, come. And he goes right down to the very depths of your heart. Where your faith has been crushed even. And, and you've lost maybe that sense that God can heal and God can do miracles and supernatural things again. He just so longs to come and just renew that in our hearts. Renewing the people power and anointing and supernatural works. Right where you are in your workplaces and wherever you are, just vessels that God can move and work through. Father, we just come and every one of us here this morning, Lord, at some point has been a burnt stone. And I just come, Lord, and I bring those who this morning feel like they're just burnt stones and been kicked out of position and lost their place in a sense. And I pray right now that you'd come and you'd minister to those hearts this morning. Thank you that you are this incredible God of beauty and majesticness and power and that you specialize in just burnt stones. Thank you that you don't kind of dis disregard them or kind of walk over them. But you reshape them again. You mold them again. You chip off the edges. You begin to mold them again so they can fit into your divine destiny and divine purpose. So God, we take, come into this place right now. Rebuild what is broken. Rebuild what has been burnt. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Delancey Union Church. For more podcasts, information, or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelin.co.uk.